0: The old lady, her bloody saw it down so she could rest She lit a cigarette and asked which podcast I like best Oh well, my... Fa-
1: And welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better. And it's me, Kristen.
2: And me, Chris.
1: And we're doing a...
2: Special episode that we have yet to figure out what we're going to call it. So we have several ideas.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, We're going to decide soon. Hopefully one of you guys may have an idea too and you can send it to us.
1: That'd be great. If you could do the work for us, that would be wonderful. Right.
2: But a couple of thoughts um, for your suggestions are... Because the idea is this is not the sort of main course, but it's not any less either. Right. So these episodes will be every other week, correct? Right. And typically they don't involve a, well, a horror movie. Right. They're a TV episode or an episode with maybe Kristen's family or (laughs) um, something about my cat. (laughs) Right. Uh, So originally we called them minisodes, but that's not really accurate, is it, Kristen?
1: No, because- They're not necessarily shorter. At all. (laughs) (laughs) They're just different. Right. So we're trying to come up. So should we tell them what ideas we had come up with? Yes. Okay. So Chris, one of Chris's really good ones was because one of our favorite shows is The X-Files. We were trying to figure out how we could call it like a Monster of the Week episode because they obviously have their whole overarching story, which is the conspiracies and the aliens and their relationships. But then they'll have just... An episode that's just about this particular monster.
2: Right. Like the I mean they're just as good as the other episodes. Yeah. But you don't have to watch them to get the whole story. Of course Mm -hmm. that doesn't really apply to our thing either. But (laughs) but anyway, so we're thinking special monster of the week episode or something like that. Um but maybe that's confusing too. So another thought we had is sometimes something else is better.
1: Right. So sometimes X Files is better. Right. Or
2: Or sometimes Elise is better. <laughs> um, although that episode hasn't aired yet, has it?
1: I think that's gonna be like a bonus bonus, a
2: bonus bonus. Okay. So that
1: way, because uh, that one's really different, and I understand if people are like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. So we'll put it out for it's a it's an episode with my daughter.
2: Right. It's 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 in the can, folks.
1: Yeah, and it's um it's own little thing, and it's really mainly because she really wanted to do it, and I kind of like her a whole bunch, so.
2: Um, well I think it's a good episode okay. um then what were there, some other ideas uh
1: oh so we're referring it to as some sort of bonus content or sp- oh, special, special features. features right
2: but we w- don't want to imply that it's not worth listening to so um our hands are tied we need we need ideas we'll probably never change um,
1: it's, it's on a different path of right. the same show
2: right branch right
1: or a, a spin-off it's not really a spin- it's kind of a spinoff.
2: Yeah. God, we're a mess. We need a marketing team. <laughs> um, anyway, so that just explains uh, our confusion and probably your confusion. So let us know if you have thoughts. Hopefully, we'll figure it out ourselves. What are we drinking today, Kristen?
1: Well, I got a venti cold foam cold brew from Starbucks because I'm very tired. Because I was up late drinking last night. And then I had to sleep in the same bed as my five year old who had a cold.
2: But also, coffee has to do with.
1: Oh, yes. Right.
2: Didn't we already talk about this? No. Like, you're so tired. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had two pillows smash around my face trying to sleep because my son was snoring and moving around and sniffing and kicking me. But yes, it does have to do with coffee too. But, Chris, what are you drinking?
2: I have to pause it because I have to go get my beer can because I forget what it's called. Okay. Pause.
1: Sorry. Okay. Be- because unlike Judd Crandall, you realize that beer tastes better in a glass. And a glass,
2: yeah. So yes. I'm drinking beer out of glass. God knows where the can went. Um, I found it. So this week, in honor of our subject matter, which if you haven't figured out yet, is the very lovely show Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. uh, we're, I'm drinking uh, Cross-Eyed Owl Brewing Company, the IPA. And they are a fine brewer from Decatur, Alabama. Oh, wow. And they have an owl on the can. And for Twin Peaks fans, um, you know, owls are a big part of the show. Not the episode we're talking about. (laughs) But I mean, I had limited options. So, what
1: are those little beer bottles on the side? Like the ratings?
2: Oh, okay. So, color gets two beer cans, two glasses. Bitterness gets four. It is quite bitter. Um, It's just telling you, you know, how bitter or how hoppy the, the beer is. Oh. Okay. Um, that's a good idea. Um, anyway, it's We a, like ratings. Yeah, it's a good beer. I recommend it, um, especially if you're in Alabama or probably Georgia. You know. yeah. I believe that's where most of our fans are, so that works out. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, it's been only about a week since we saw each other. So what have you been uh, watching lately that you want to talk about?
1: Well, I watched half of Bird Box, so we won't talk about that yet. Oh, wait.
2: Well, can we talk about the half you watched? Or, uh, or what are your thoughts so far? Or is it just too early to...
1: No, I mean, i watched about half. Just those, like, survival movies where it's the end of the world, I just, I can't really feel that because I...
2: You would easily have killed yourself, like, five minutes into I it. I would have walked
1: into a river a long time <laughs> ago. I mean, I feel the same way about Walking Dead, the same way about The Road. It's just...
2: Lord of the Rings.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you would not have made it out of the Shire.
1: <laughs> no. And then, you know, I was saying, like, in The Mist... Like, that that would be me at the end of The Mist. No spoilers. Yeah, but
2: Tangent, we may have to do a Mist episode one time. Yeah. We talk about good. it a lot.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> in, true. In the normal conversation. I know, that's funny. <laughs> um, And so that part is just like, I, so the, I mean, I like the scenes of them cutting back to her. But it, then again, it's just like, there's no, all I see is survival. There isn't some way there's any love or, I mean, obviously they're called boy and girl. What the fuck? Why are you still living? You well, you have, even... you have to finish it. I know, I know. <laughs> um,
2: but no, I, I had those kind of thoughts too. I do think Sandra Bullock plays a really good um, mean person. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, I do too. It's kind of like how
2: she was that character in 28 Days. Yes. Um, or 28 Weeks. Uh, yes, Not the that. zombie movie. No,
1: no, no. Um, yeah, 28 Days. Yeah. I love that movie.
2: Yeah, she's great in that. And it's kind of the same. It's basically the same character, except she's not you know, a drug addict or whatever. Or alcoholic, I guess, in that movie.
1: Right. I think my favorite Sandra Bullock performance, I really love her in Two Weeks Notice. Remember that movie with Hugh Grant?
2: I don't think I've seen that one. Oh. What is that about?
1: She's like a... This is pretty much a romantic comedy um, synopsis. So she is a, like a grassroots kind of attorney who's trying to do good. And Hugh Grant is some sort of real estate mogul. And he wants to um, destroy this community center and she's trying to save it. And so she ends up getting a job with him somehow and they fall in love.
2: So Kind of like Dracula. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. That's the only romantic comedy I'm aware of.
1: Well, that hot guy is already like hitting on her. She's pregnant. Oh
2: yeah, that's uh, the guy from Moonlight. I didn't realize that until it was over. You know, when he's at his hottest, that's... um. Uh yeah.
1: I, something
2: Rhodes. Trevante Rhodes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well yeah, and I was like, dang girl, she's already getting hit on by the hottest guy and doesn't seem so bad.
2: Yeah, so I mean you may you may not have killed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like, well I guess we'll see what happens now, yeah. <laughs> um anyway, I enjoyed. It. I'm glad you are watching it.
1: Well then I also um went and saw Mary Poppins Returns with Elise.
2: And uh, was that terrifying?
1: It was uh whimsical. Okay. Um, and I asked, like, um, I asked Elise about five times if we could go see Mary Poppins Returns for my birthday, and finally she said, "I already told you we could go. Please do not ask me again." <laughs> <laughs> and I, apparently, I was very excited about it.
2: Were you a big uh, Mary Poppins fan, Mary Kid? I've never even seen Mary Poppins the original.
1: Chris, seriously, Mary Poppins is one of my favorite movies. I,
2: I've never heard you mention the word Mary Poppins before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it is. Uh, okay it's just it makes me cry every time the original
2: one yes
1: it's so touching and i don't think that people talk enough about what a strong female character mary poppins is you know she shows up she gets the fucking job mr banks doesn't want her but she's like no i'm working here now okay she does whatever she wants she um saves the family she's obviously in love with dick van dyke and dick van dyke's in love with her but it's never a issue there's no doesn't have to be like a romantic story she knows
2: well let me let me ask this what i never really thought about but i mean what is she is she like a witch or i mean or a well she's
1: some kind of magical being
2: where where is she from i mean the sky (laughs) and she she's good yes (laughs) but she's also she could be like a good witch like hermione kind of
1: yes okay i think so
2: so in the, in the new movie, it's the same Mary Poppins, right? Like it's yes. not like a
1: well, it's the two Banks children, but they're grown up.
2: They have it their has, own kids, I guess.
1: Well, the boy has two kids, yes. And then Lin Manuel Miranda is a new character, but he's kind of like he was Bert's uh, apprentice. Bert is Dick Van Dyke, mm-hmm. and so he knows of Mary Poppins. So he's still—they're all still kind of in that same world, but it's a sequel, not a remake
2: okay so that's her episode
1: (laughs) and also in the original mary poppins you know the mom uh is a suffragette and she's going to rallies there's a whole song about women's voting rights
2: in the original yeah oh gosh
1: it's very underrated
2: is it it underrated isn't like a classic i mean (laughs) you mean just for its ideas i guess yes okay
1: chris what have you been watching well
2: thank you uh so last night I watched uh, on uh, Amazon Prime uh, the movie Eighth Grade. It is um, exhausting, and it's <laughs> very hard to watch, especially if you were... I mean, I think it's hard, probably hard to watch for any person that survived being 13 years old, but it's really good. Uh, it has a nice, not necessarily uplifting, but you know, a happier ending than I kind of thought. Um, it's funny, It's but it's spot on about... I think what it's like to be a thirteen-year-old, quiet, shy girl that's a little bit awkward and. I can't do it. <laughs> well, we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast. I know. So I, I thought last night I texted you, and I remember thinking, I don't, I'm not sure you want her to know this movie exists. <laughs>
1: I knew it did.
2: Okay. Um, yeah. So in that sense, I'm not sure if I recommend it because it's, you know, uh, it's triggering. Right. Um,
1: but I think. I'm- in a place now where i could probably watch it and be okay
2: yeah i would i would have to i would hazard a guess that there's gonna be one or two scenes that are so familiar oh god that i mean there's one scene particularly that i was just ready to crawl on my skin it was so anxiety inducing
1: what about how how is it compared to ladybird is it just completely different because i mean that also is triggering but in different ways just like the mother-daughter relationship yeah the way you talk to your mom at that age
2: ladybird you know that's such a different vibe to it i mean ladybird to me is a much smoother easier easier ride yeah that character is very confident and uh you kind of want to be her in a way i did (laughs) um and yeah she has her own issues but in this movie i mean if especially for anyone that was ever shy or quiet you know and had to kind of deal with people telling you you were quiet why are you quiet why are you so quiet there's something wrong with you um it's very real about that except um the only thing that i couldn't really identify was the whole social media aspect of it oh, simply because none right. of that existed when i was you know 13 or whatever
1: do you wish you could go back and have like a really good comeback for that sometimes i think of that like when when you're a kid and people ask you why are you so quiet you just had something a good comeback for that like i,
2: I just don't know if there's a good answer it's like, like
1: something really creepy just to like creep them uh, out because I'll, I'll tell where all the bodies are buried or whatever. <laughs> but, but, you, but you can't say anything either because. Yeah. You're I, too but, quiet. but the other
2: part is like, you never really feel like you're quiet. You I feel know. like you're yourself.
1: Just trying to be, man. Yeah.
2: It's like, I'm sorry, I'm just not opening my mouth and like vomiting words right now. Right. I mean, usually I would just say, like, I think my stock answer was, well, what do you want me to talk about?
1: Right. Yes.
2: <laughs> I highly recommend it.
1: Where can you see it?
2: I watched it on Amazon Prime.
1: Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So what are we talking about today?
2: Well, uh, this week, uh, I thought we would talk about one of my favorite shows. Is it one of your favorite shows? I really love it. Okay, so we've already done The X-Files.
1: Mm-hmm. Is
2: that the only show we've done, really? Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we haven't done too many. So this show is uh, even um, a precursor to The X-Files, and in some of, in some sense inspired The X-Files.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It also is known to have inspired such great shows as Sopranos, David Chase says so. Oh, um, cool. Pretty much every major prestige show that came out at a certain time says, you know, Twin Peaks kind of did it first mm. as far as being different. Oh, so yeah. So the show is Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what I thought we'd do is since we can't really talk about the whole show because we'll be here just all day, um, especially in like the new revival that came out, which right. I could just do a whole thing on.
1: People have. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, and just spoiler alert, it's fantastic. So we decided, for purpose of this podcast, we'll just talk about the first episode, the right. pilot.
1: Pilot, the which p- is almost a movie. It's yeah. an hour and a half long.
2: Yeah. In fact, you can. There was a time where you could rent it by itself on VHS, um, which I did when I was a kid, and um, and that's how I even came across it. So I thought we talked a little bit about how we came across this show, since mm-hmm. we're it, we didn't like just stumble upon it on Netflix. I think most people do these days. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, I mean losers. <laughs> But uh so when I was a kid in the 90s, I was kind of aware of it. Like I knew it was out there and I, I knew it was for adults mm-hmm. and I couldn't watch it um, or I probably shouldn't watch it. <laughs> um, but also I was kind of limited just to just whatever my parents watch and my parents didn't watch that. Right. So I didn't watch it either. And I remember seeing it made fun of on The Simpsons and thinking that was kind of cool. And so one day I saw it on video at the video store, probably the library, to be honest with you. It was just a standalone video of the pilot. It was like a two hour movie. So I ran into that and was blown away. And then I never saw any other episode for twenty years. <laughs> 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 because I never knew how to watch them. You couldn't right. there's nothing else to do. You could buy all the VHSs, I guess. I saw those like a there used to be this video store called Suncoast Video Place or Suncoast Video in the Galleria. And all they sold were VHSs. And they had a big box set of Twin Peaks. It was like $200. Wow. So, I mean, I couldn't. So those are my options. I mean, uh,
1: <laughs> Little Chris is getting up every morning at 5 a.m. to deliver papers. <laughs> right. Got to get that Twin Peaks. Yeah. I, uh, I remember coconuts.
2: Yeah, Sunco's was like coconuts. Okay. It's probably even maybe owned by them. But it was okay. just, they didn't do music. It was oh, just movies. Okay. And they wouldn't have like a section like on widescreen movies which remember when right. videos first started doing the widescreen yes. i thought that was so cool so we buy those and me like you know thinking that was a hot shit right um although really i thought this just looks smaller <laughs> um so anyway yeah so i couldn't watch any other episodes so i just had the first episode stuck in my head for uh, a long time but i loved it i think i watched my dad we both loved it um and I'm like well that's it right because they didn't rerun them i think so I what re-
1: channel was it on
2: it originally came on abc
1: wow but
2: by the time i came across it, it had been you know long canceled you know. right i was probably in high school uh so then when i was in college i remember that they started releasing things on dvds you know the x-files and er and right. whatever and finally they released twin peaks on dvd so I, I bought that and so that's when i finally watched it and uh you know just fell in love so what was your um when did you first watch it
1: i didn't watch it till i was in my 20s okay and again, it was one of those things that I knew about.
2: You may have watched it with me, now that I think about it. Yeah,
1: I think I probably did. Yeah, I
2: think we watched it in our apartment in Road Circle, the, the townhouse.
1: Mm-hmm. Ugh.
2: Yeah, a lot of stories about that place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but again, like I think I kind of knew about it, because I knew I really liked X-Files, and I knew who David Lynch was.
2: Yeah, if I had to guess, I'd say Twin Peaks was my first <laughs> David Lynch encounter. I mean...
1: I mean, I know I've, I've seen Blue Velvet and I've seen Mulholland Drive, but I only watched them once because they were very, they just kind of disturbed me. And so I would like to watch those again. Maybe we could do those. Yeah.
2: I've seen Mulholland Drives a few times now and that okay. gets, that's, that gets better and better every time okay. I see it. You yeah, have to uh, watch those again. Yeah. It's very, in, in the spirit of the new Twin Peaks season two, like he has a certain, he has ideas that he kind of just repeats over and over and mm. uh, is very much in line with the new Twin Peaks for sure. Uh, A lot of the same actors, too. Namely Watts, you know, she's all up in it. Oh, okay. Um, uh, So now I've seen the original series, at least certain episodes, you know, a handful of times now in the past 20 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite shows. Um, It's on Netflix, so it's easy to watch. And then uh, last year, of course, you know, the revival came out, The Return, as they call it. Mm -hmm. And I love that equally as much as the original show. Although it is, you know, a lot different. So, but we, were, we won't talk about that because, you know, we don't have all day. So again, we're just going to talk about uh, the first episode, the yeah, pilot, the pilot. Um, which I guess we should also acknowledge is not really necessarily a horror episode or a horror movie. There are very scary episodes of Twin Peaks. This isn't necessarily one of them. I mean, it has a few moments, but.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is more like a.
2: Mystery. Yeah. Um, quirky thing. <laughs> So, Twin Peaks—the first episode was released in April of 1990. So that's a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And we just watched—I just watched this again uh, last night. I mean, of course, I've seen it many times. I, you saw it, I guess, this week, probably.
1: I watched it last night too. Oh, really? I finished it up last night. But I, so I watched it, whatever, in my 20s with you, um, and then I watched it. I mean, not that long ago. I rewatched the whole thing right before the return was going to be coming on. Um, but I never got to watch The Return because we don't have Showtime. Mm. So I got a free pass. And I think I mentioned this before. So I watched about the first five episodes, and I just loved it. I didn't understand how, just from that first five episodes, why it didn't win every award.
2: Oh, don't get me started. I mean, I'm so mad. But I, I mean, think- I really,
1: like, when I checked the Emmys, I was like, oh, so it must be next. It must have missed the cutoff. Yeah. It was ridiculous, right?
2: Yeah. Also, okay. a funny thing on the Emmys, uh, I guess still watch it because it was up for some things. Uh, but they actually, they showed, you know, they showed clips, of the show, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and they showed the last like five seconds of, <laughs> of the show, like literally like the big sort of, I mean, it's hard to really spoil because it's so like ab- abstract what happens, mm-hmm. but still it's like, it'd be like showing the last five minutes *The Sopranos.
1: That's crazy. Uh,
2: and I remember on Twitter, Twitter, at least my Twitter <laughs> exploded with
1: my <you> know, <laughs> Twitter. That's yeah. a good point. I never thought about that. Everyone has their own individualized Twitters. Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't. Think it probably registered on other people's. Right. <laughs> um. Again, this is 1990. Uh. Watching it now, how do you think it holds up? Like, is this dated? Or I are,
1: don't think it is at all. I don't think it is either. Okay. I mean, I watched it last night, and because I guess we had watched Pet Cemetery, and I watched Pet Cemetery too, and it's like <laughs> I'm sorry. I know.
2: <laughs> Did we talk about that on air that you actually watched a segment? Talked about it yet. <laughs> You're still mad. Yes. <laughs>
1: Because I try to, I'm trying to be like you and be much more open about things. Well, I think, and you're... it's so much easier to hate on a movie. And I, tr- I started that movie like five different times. It's a bad, bad and then movie. I <laughs> turn it off, <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm done with this. And then it's like, no, I gotta finish it. And I did.
2: It had a few. That's cool... all I'm gonna say about it. <laughs> well, did you least like a scene where the guy takes the motorcycle and like kills the kid with it? That's a good one.
1: Yeah, I didn't quite get what he did exactly.
2: I think he like took the um, basically uh, ran the engine and mowed down the kid's head with the wheel. Okay. The tire.
1: That was the death you liked.
2: I like that death. yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, that's a bad dad movie. But, <laughs> but um, yes.
1: But so you watch something like that and it's like, oh, that looks dated. Right. But
2: even like some of the early X Files episodes look very dated, especially yeah. when they you know pull out the. 18-foot cell phone right. and uh, that type of thing. <laughs> Through no fault of their own, they were ahead of the curve back then. But, I mean, honestly. But no,
1: it, I was watching it last night and it's just the whole look of it. Everybody, nobody's clothes look even look dated. They're, they don't even come from any particular time period. They're all over the right. place. Right,
2: and I think that's why because it's it's timeless. You know, there's no, for then, it didn't play modern music. It played, you know, Angelo Badalamenti, <laughs> sort of weird jazzy Dave Lynch music, right. which belongs to no particular time. The clothes are like, oddly, I mean, is it like the 50s? Like, what's going on? Like, Yeah, you know, some of uh, them,
1: like, Audrey's obviously looks like 50s. Right, But yeah. then, Her I mean,
2: shoes, you know, and uh, no one has any real, like, big hair issues. Right. Maybe Laura Palmer a little bit. A
1: little bit. A uh, little bit of bangs, but not much. Yeah. I mean, Bobby still looks cool. He's wearing leather jacket. Yeah. Uh, Agent Cooper's just wearing his right, you know, FBI yeah. outfit.
2: I mean, I guess... Uh, you know the sheriff has a slight mullet kind of going on, but I mean it's slight Yeah, I, I feel like there's a time where it was dated, and I think we just moved past that, and now mm. it's cool again. But uh, I,
1: even like the just the imagery in it, I don't think looked dated. The
2: not at all. I mean, it looks like a movie to me. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad we ground that. I think it 100 uh, percent holds up. Um, I think there's a certain just vibe to it kind of like the coen brothers almost mm-hmm. like they kind of just have their own thing that doesn't really belong to any particular time maybe the big lebowski right <laughs> um but this is clearly just david lynch and he's just in his own sort of world and so it doesn't really uh it's not really tethered to any particular thing they can like say okay that's 1990 or, you know, or yeah. whatever um, yeah and that wouldn't even be a bad thing it's just interesting that it doesn't operate that way Right. Because I've heard people say, oh, I tried to watch the first episode and it was dated. And I thought, what are you talking about? I...
1: Who said that?
2: Like one guy. Let's go find him. Yeah.
1: But yeah, so you said it premiered in April 1990.
2: Per IMDb, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, apparently a, like a mid-season replacement type show. And it was a big hit when it came on. Like huge.
1: So I guess we'll get into the the where it takes place first. Because it's Twin Peaks. That's the name of the town. Right. Um, and so it's this very clear north,
2: northwestern, yes, uh, Pacific of, Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the the name of the show was originally Northern Passage. Hmm. They changed it because I don't really know why, but that was. I think even the original script was called Northern Passage.
1: But I mean, I think that was just like the perfect setting for it. Just how it's always kind of overcast. Yeah. It's always kind of gloomy when they do those shots of like the trees. I mean, it's kind of creepy because it's all foggy and. It just it feels kind of cold. I I just think it's great. Yeah, and it I don't, still looks beautiful.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't know. I I honestly don't know if there's any shows before that that were just, that took place like kind of in that that world or that region. Blue Velvet, the movie, if you watch it, looks a little bit like that, but uh, I think it takes place like in Illinois or something. But,
1: wasn't there that there was one? God, I'm not gonna to remember. What it,
2: Northern Exposure? Yes, but I think that was after Twin Peaks, oh, or, or at least at the same time. Okay, I think. And that was Alaska. But yeah, it, it did kind of look like that a little bit. My mom used to love that show. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, I used to think it was boring, but now I we'll probably love it.
1: Well, I, I do have one controversial statement.
2: Is it going to upset me? Or?
1: I hope not. Okay. I just, I don't really like the opening credits.
2: They go on for a bit, uh, especially the, the pilot. It's even longer. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's usually not that long. No.
1: I just really like a good opening credit
2: well they used to do that they used to do that you know i'm not sure why i think the idea was that i heard david chase say this one time when he was talking about The sopranos because he didn't want a long sopranos opening credits and he wanted to use different songs each time oh and someone told him no you have to have the same thing it has been kind of long because people have to be in the other room and they have to hear oh the Sopranos is on and they have to get themselves situated have enough time to get their it sounds crazy. It, it I don't sounds know. really dumb. I mean, it makes no sense nowadays because you just watch whatever you want to watch whenever you want to watch it.
1: The Sopranos has one of the best openings ever.
2: Yeah. Well, some people will say Twin Peaks now. <laughs> it's very, it it, it it's it, it fits the show, I guess. But, but It
1: just makes, it just feels, it just kind of brings it down for me, I think. Just that music. It just doesn't really want me, doesn't get me into it. Like when you hear the X-Files theme, you're, you get excited. Oh. Or the ER theme.
2: Yeah, it's, it's not exciting, I guess. But Anyway. I would say, I mean, I, I like it, but that's fine. So I guess we'll talk about, uh, you know, just sort of the general opening to it. Right. So this show opens, and, the, uh, and I'm always surprised that the first character they show in the entire show is uh, Josie Packard.
1: Right. Yeah. She's very striking.
2: Right. And yeah. she ends up, you know, and again, we'll try not to talk about the whole show, but it's like kind of impossible. But she ends up being a fairly kind of a red airing, Slightly inconsequential character, I love her, mm-hmm. and you know I love uh what's her name uh
1: oh Joan Chen <laughs> Joan Chen yeah, but yeah she's very striking, she has those red lips um, right, awesome haircut she I mean again, she doesn't look dated at all. she looks really cool, yeah, see so
2: yeah, so you kind of get this immediate sort of femme fatale vibe kind of you know noir thing, and you kind of think, okay, this show's gonna be you know maybe this type of show, mm-hmm. and then it really isn't. I mean, it it, de- it definitely it's one of ten different tones the show has for sure. Um, but that's uh, it's just interesting that that's the first shot they chose, yeah, to show. And I wonder, like, what were their original intentions, you know, with that character? I wonder. And don't get me wrong, I love the way she exits the show. And maybe you don't know, but it's the most ridiculous. <laughs> it's easily the most ridiculous exit for any TV character ever. Um, but it it does feel like maybe they had a grander designs for the character and maybe for whatever reason, they just didn't pan out hmm. uh, or maybe they just thought it would look weird to start a show set in the Pacific Northwest with a, you know, an Asian character uh, looking mysteriously into the mirror. I, I don't know. Right. Um, but then we're introduced. So, so she is at, um, I guess her home uh, and also living at the home or Pete Martell and his wife, um, Catherine Martell. Mm-hmm. Uh, And they don't seem to get along very well. Right. Um, Pete Martell is a a big David Lynch uh, actor, Jack Nance. He died a few years ago. It's kind of sad. But he was in Eraserhead. Did you know that? No. He played Eraserhead. Oh, okay. If that's his name. I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's like in I think he's in Blue Velvet. He's kind of usually a a bit actor. Okay. Um, But he plays uh, the very kind Pete Martell who all he wants to do is fish and be nice to people and you know, just have his wife say nice things to him every now and then. Right. <laughs> um, so Pete Martel tells she's us. She's not so nice. No, she's she's not. But that is uh, Piper Laurie. Right. Of, uh, you know, the mother from Carrie. Right. Uh, she's really good in it. She doesn't do too much in this episode.
1: There's a really good, again, I'm going to name drop another podcast, which I know you love me doing. It's about
2: Piper Laurie? Yes.
1: Okay. There's a really good podcast called I Was There Too with Matt Gorley. I've told you to listen to it before, but it's okay. But so he takes uh, like minor characters from big movies and talks to them. So one of the ones he did was with Piper Laurie. Was it about Carrie? She talked about mainly about Carrie. Oh, cool. Actually, uh, I mean, she was one of the bigger actors. Well, I was there too. It's a good podcast.
2: Okay. Uh, Piper Laurie doesn't do too much in this episode. Although, although to, other than look kind of shifty, she's apparently having an affair, but we won't really talk about her too much. She's great in the show. But,
1: Everybody's having an affair, Chris. That's
2: true. Yeah. Um, so Pete Martel goes out. He's going fishing. He leaves, um, you know, the house is on a big, I guess it's a lake. It's not really the ocean, is it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's uh, walking towards a pier. He looks around and he sees a strange bag, finds out, sees a strand of blonde hair. It's Laura Palmer. Um,
1: well, and so I was thinking about that. So we were talking about the date. It was 1990. Yeah. Um, well, now, anytime you turn on your TV, there's some CSI or NCIS or something with a dead body if it's bones i mean any of those tv shows right yeah but this was before you were seeing dead bodies on tv all the time do you think this was more of a more shocking thing that time yeah
2: i, I wouldn't think i mean i would i'm sure there were bodies on tv uh, well sure a lot but, of police shows but i mean i think this type of um the sort of csi kind of dead woman thing right uh, I mean, uh, now
1: we're just saturated
2: right I think this is definitely one of the first shows like that. I think uh, it's
1: still even though I've seen a lot of <laughs> dead bodies on t v it's still very disturbing because she's clearly naked, right she's wrapped up in the plastic, you can see blood mm-hmm. underneath um and i it still like bothers me like she just it makes me feel very cold like yeah. she just seems like she's cold and she's and all sandy. by herself and yeah. under that log and yeah,
2: uh, you just have no idea what's happened but and so. Pete calls uh, the sheriff's department and he says this famous line: "She's dead, Harry, wrapped in plastic," mm-hmm. um, which uh, that's gone on to be a famous line. There's even a Twin Peaks magazine called "Wrapped in Plastic." So,
1: okay, uh, but but then I love the shift of tone that they do pretty quickly. Very quickly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 pretty great how yeah. they cut, and then all of a sudden they cut to Lucy, yeah, trying to get the phone call over to to harry yeah
2: so we're introduced to lucy the receptionist lucy brennan who um who's also um one of the holdovers that's in the new show mm-hmm. um she is kimmy uh,
1: robertson kimmy
2: robertson yeah She's and you awful. know i mm-hmm. think in the this is one thing that may be slightly dated is that in in back then in the 90s and they, there were characters like that these sort of very high-pitched yeah especially
1: uh, like a receptionist or yeah. some sort of uh, assistant something like that yeah. sort of job like that i
2: can't really name any but i know i've seen that before so that
1: ghostbusters may... it's kind oh, of like their
2: yeah but i guess maybe i'm thinking more of this sort of blonde kind of like really i mean clearly kind of supposedly just dumb but kind of yeah. like less dumb but just sort of space cadet type yeah um but also she the actress kind of talks like that so maybe that's just kind of how she is anyway kimmy uh robertson she's great in it She takes a call, and then we're introduced also to Sheriff Harry Truman, Mm -hmm. um, who is, I guess, the second main star of the show.
1: He's hot, right?
2: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of sad he wasn't in the new show, but I guess he retired from acting, is what I read.
1: He's a handsome man.
2: Yeah. I mean, the the bullet bothers me a little bit. Okay. I guess he could cut that.
1: Yeah, he could cut that.
2: (laughs) She just had to. Um, Well, and
1: then kind of later, like when he's next to Kyle McLaughlin, then all of a sudden. Tom McLaughlin, I think, is much better looking. So then he's not quite as good looking. Yeah, but anyway,
2: he's a great like main star. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, he takes the call. They they go out to investigate, and I think uh that's I think he's the one that unwraps the plastic.
1: Right, him and the oh Andy. Yes, and that's yeah. another strange tone where yeah. So we're introduced... Andy's. Well, it's somewhat humorous because he's sobbing. He's obviously right. a cop. He's not supposed to be sobbing. Right, and he's very upset. But it's also endearing, and it's also like. But then there's also a dead body here, so you're.
2: Yeah, yeah. you expect them to all be professional and like, right. you know, kind of jaded. But I guess the point is, it's a small town, and they don't, they don't get this type of thing. And uh, so he's in there, he's sobbing, and you know, Sheriff Truman is like, you yeah, know, this again. Right. Uh, but anyway, they so they unwrap it, they find out. Oh, it's Laura Palmer. We then shift to the high school. No, no, they they then show her mom. Right. right? Okay.
1: And she's not home and she's trying to find her. And that whole...
2: Very uh, scary, yeah. Yes,
1: that's yeah. very effective. Yeah. Very well done. Yeah, the and way he shoots the
2: very... ceiling fan for some reason. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why that bothers me so much. But mm-hmm. And then the way they show the shoot her room. Uh, it just kind of... You get this sense that something's just horribly gone wrong, even right. though you've already seen the body. Right. Uh, and, and so the next few sequences are really just people finding out and reacting to the news that Laura Palmer, homecoming queen, has been murdered. Right. And... You know, this has been done a lot, I think, in other shows. Like The Killing. Did you ever watch The Killing?
1: I started it.
2: Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, The Killing is very much kind of a ripoff in a way of like the whole.
1: Well, okay. I got to a certain point with The Killing where I was like, this is fucking Mystic River. Right? Oh, yeah. It's the exact same storyline. And so I stopped watching it.
2: You know, and that they really hammered home, like, the reaction on the parents. And, you know, there's a lot of scenes kind of, like, similar to this where people just finding out.
1: Another example is Broad Church.
2: Oh, I haven't seen that.
1: Oh, it's so good. Yeah. That's a really good one. And the parents in that are wonderful. Uh, also, one of my favorites is Mystic River, again, when Sean Penn finds out. Yeah. You know, that scene when they when they when he's flooded with the officers right, trying to hold him right. back and they shoot it from a, above. Oh, that movie's so good.
2: Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, less in terms of, like, emotional impact. I, this is, I think, the best presentation of that for some reason to me. Hmm. It's, um, you know, especially in, you know, the way the mother receives the news, she just sort of knows. And that seems very honest to me. Yeah. Uh And also, I really like how the uh, kids of a high school react. Those are my favorite scenes, kind of. I know that's kind of morbid. <laughs> <laughs> but it just feels so honest. Like does. It, uh, like, you know. The cop comes in the room and like, oh, I'm looking for Bobby Briggs, right. who we'll talk about later. <laughs> uh, Bobby Briggs is Sherry, is Laura Palmer's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. They cut to Laura Palmer's best friend, who kind of just looks to the empty seat next to her. Yeah. Then there's this cut to a woman, <laughs> a girl outside the classroom, right. just running <laughs> and screaming. <laughs> and it doesn't make sense at all, but it's just this idea like, oh, everyone just sort of knows. And I think later you realize it was because she kind of had all these... Open secret issues that people knew about, and maybe it was not that unexpected, right? But that, about it just feels right, like you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to be told; it would just be kind of your worst fear confirmed, and it just, that's just kind of how these things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Sue Hill. So, so uh, in this opening sequence, I guess you know, again, you know, I guess we should talk about the scene where, uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about the scene where the mother and the father find out, but I mean, it's very sad. And, you know, the mother is on the phone with. The husband, you know, Leland Palmer, who's a lawyer, mm-hmm. who works for Benjamin Horn, who's like the local sort of, you know, magnet hotel owner in town. Seems right. like a bad guy. He's having an affair with right. Piper Laurie. Uh, seems like a lot of fun. So uh, Leland gets called away from some, you know, conference in the hotel, takes the call. It's his wife. Have you seen Laura? No, I didn't take Laura to work. What are you talking about? Uh, and then, you know, Sheriff Truman shows up right. and he, you know. He doesn't seem to know the level the wife knows, uh, but, it, but it's pretty devastating. Right. And uh, the way he plays it is, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's hard to know. He, there seems to be a lot going on other than just, you know, grief. <laughs> like, would you agree? Or?
1: With Leland? Yeah. Just from knowing a lot of true crime and knowing all about stories, you know, it's usually the dad or the, someone in the family, the boyfriend. Right. And so you're wondering, like, is he trying to figure out how to act? Um,
2: right. Yeah. It kind of, yeah. is he
1: overreacting? Um, cause he does get, I mean, he gets very upset, which you would think that would be normal, but it is, it's, it's his own yeah, sort of reaction. It's
2: a bit heightened. Yeah. 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 Um, but it, the
1: mom is uh, just as a uh, distraught for
2: sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, uh, and that performance is, is pretty hard to watch. So that's where the, you know, so, you know, that's when the first sequence that kind of ends and then we're introduced to some other characters, uh, mainly, uh, my favorite being audrey horn right daughter of benjamin
1: who her reaction when she hears is a very subtle smile right. almost
2: yeah well kind of almost like a knowing smile maybe yeah uh very strange but also she's a bit I mean she's a bit odd she's very odd yeah she's a smoking interlocker which i mean back then for all i know you could probably smoke in school <laughs> maybe that's not death. But. but
1: i also like that they don't um automatically show her as like uh, a bitch or a bully. I mean, they or show a, her or a slut or anything. She's just, she's changing her shoes. Remember, she's changing them into like red shoes. Right. Right. And, yeah. um, but Laura Flynn Boyle is Laura's best friend. And she kind of just, they kind of like smile at each other. And yeah, it's not like they're bullies or they're not trying to make it to where, you know, who's good and who's bad. It's just right. Like yeah. You get more. the
2: impression that Laura Flynn Boyle is sort of the popular kind of clean cut girl. And then, uh, Audrey Horn is sort of the misfit, slightly eccentric, oddball. That maybe doesn't have a ton of friends, but right. she's rich. So,
1: right? Well, <laughs> um, she obviously obviously likes to do her own thing too. Yeah. So, and she's she's trouble.
2: Yeah, I mean, how is she dressed in this? I mean, we talk about the red shoes, but she has like a sort of plaid skirt. Am I right about that? And it's then,
1: it's some sort of like tight, like a pencil yes. skirt, and then a little um, a little sweater.
2: Right, so I, I guess the way she dresses in the pilot is kind of the way people think about the way people dress in Twin Peaks, like the show. Oh, okay. Like it's iconic. Okay. Yeah. Although not everyone really dresses like that. Well,
1: and she has that short haircut.
2: Oh yeah, she looks great. She does. Yeah, she's very pretty. I th- and I, I, think that actress uh, got in a lot of trouble because she did play girl. Playboy.
1: Oh really? <laughs> it be
2: mean, weird if she did Playboy. Yeah. <laughs> just, she's <just> taking pictures. <laughs> but she did Playboy, and, and you know, she lost a lot of jobs because of that, which is kind of sad very apparently very uh controversial at the time although now like i, I guess now no one really do that but
1: right uh, that's too bad
2: yeah she's actually an interesting actress herself but what do we think about audrey so she's funny she uh
1: yeah but she's also um then when she you know when she spills the coffee
2: she's kind of a brat yeah very yeah. bratty
1: I, I that is a very good scene though when she goes in there and she's, she knows that she's hot and she's just kind of standing in the corner until all the businessmen look at her that's a good scene because you see one of them kind of look and then all of a sudden they're all looking at her then she like sabotages her her dad's deal
2: yeah she she has, just
1: wants to I guess and she's and she gets she's giddily excited about it
2: yeah so we know a couple of things she doesn't get along with her dad it's not really explained too much in the pilot although you know she's you know high school or she's trouble and her dad's like sort of a
1: she's your little rich girl
2: yeah um, we know that Laura we learn tutored her brother right she has a She has a mentally disabled brother. It's whether he's autistic or what, we don't know. But Laura used to help him. Right. And so for that reason, you know, it's unclear whether they were friends, but she had some sort of relationship with Laura. But otherwise, she doesn't seem to have any particular romantic interests at the time, unlike every other (laughs) female on the show. But my favorite reaction to learning about Laura being killed is uh, her boyfriend, Bobby Briggs. Mm Mm-hmm. So Bobby Briggs is played by Dana Ashbrook, who I'm not really aware of anything else he's been in except for Twin Peaks. But I mean, he's a fine actor. The choices he makes <laughs> in this show are uh, puzzling, <laughs> um, but I would not have it like any other way. I, I think he it does. It's so interesting to watch him in any given second react to what he's being told. It, it goes from like confusion to sort of like why am Why are they telling me this? Uh-huh. To, oh, she's dead? And then there's all in sense, like, do I care about that? <laughs> I mean, it's just, least it's just on his face, I mean. Right. You know? And, like, you later learn, yeah, he's, he has a lot of emotions about it. But the way he plays it, it feels very, that also feels very real to me. Like, he's a high schooler. Right. He's not going to have an appropriate reaction. I think that later lends credence to maybe him being a suspect. Right. But he's just a dopey kid. Mm-hmm. You know, know, he kind of laughs a little bit almost. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I could watch that scene where he's being told about being killed by Andy and, uh, I guess, Sheriff Truman over and over and over again. I just think it's a great scene. It is. So Bobby Briggs, again, is nominally dating Laura Palmer. At least we're told that. But he is having an affair with uh, Mm Shelly, Shelly the waitress, Shelly Johnson. Who is married to Leo Johnson.
1: Who's a bad motherfucker. Yeah.
2: Do we learn in the, in the first, I guess in the first episode, we learned he's just a bad guy. Yes. Right? He's abusive. He's mm-hmm. mean to her.
1: Yes. He's very scary.
2: Yeah. Want smoke one type of cigarette while you right. here. Um, he has some pretty great lines later in the show, but he's just, he's kind of this stock abusive husband. That's not really true. He's not talking anything. He's a pretty weird character. Yeah. But he's a scary guy. Okay. So we can, uh, I guess, wrap up talking about Laura's death and the reaction on our friends by mm-hmm. talking about the sort of main characters in the show as far as from the high school side of things the love triangle mm-hmm. um although i guess there's really four people involved I don't know right that's what I was about to say love quadrangle is that quad quad yeah, yeah. yeah sure okay love quad as we know laura was dating bobby briggs mm-hmm. bobby briggs is a mess yes he's the best uh, i think best performance on the show
1: it's very good <laughs>
2: Uh, he seems to be like he walked in from like some sort of 50s James Dean movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> but he's basically like the bad boy, right? Oh, he, yes. He wears a leather jacket. Yes. Does he? Yeah. Yes. Uh, kind of has the mop top haircut. Yeah,
1: yeah, Long hair that he kind of pushes back. Um,
2: he's got a mm-hmm. uh, He smokes. Mm-hmm. Um, he drinks. He, shrinks, kinda, he surfs
1: know. boards on the top of his yeah, car. Right.
2: <laughs> so Lori's best friend, meanwhile, is uh, Donna Hayward played by the great Laura Flynn Boyle, mm-hmm. who looks about 85 pounds. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> Most of that, just that flop of hair she's I got. I know, my God. big
2: jackets. Uh, I guess it's before she dated Jack Nicholson, but, oh, she was dating uh, Kyle MacLock at the time. Did you know that? What? Yes, yeah.
1: How old was she supposed to be? I mean, how old was she in real life?
2: I think they're all older than what well, they played. Okay. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, and that actually caused a lot of drama on the set um, particularly with storylines uh like for instance there's supposed to be a storyline where agent cooper who we haven't introduced yet you know falls in love and or they you know with audrey
0: right
2: and laura flamboye was not having it and so that's why that storyline what yes yes 100 percent.
1: oh my god then
2: they broke up during the show um so she i think she was always a bit of a troublemaker that that actress right
1: Um, but but in twin peaks she seems so sweet and she's like the good girl.
2: Yeah, I think she was kind of like the Shannon Doherty of that show. Oh. Yeah, which I love. Uh, so, anyway, so she plays Laura's uh, straight laced um, best friend. She's like the one character in the show you absolutely know probably had nothing <laughs> to, right. to murder. Um, I mean, although, but uh, she just, you know, she's kind of, uh, you know, she's Brenda uh, Walsh from 9020, basically, mm-hmm. um, in every sense of the word. So, and then there's James Hurley. Mm-hmm. Now James Hurley is the biker. He also looks like he walked in of a '50s movie. Yes, <laughs> he has spiky hair. He's very brooding. Yes, uh, very James Dean. He's a uh, very hot. I think mm-hmm. we agree, right? Oh, so you're for Bobby? Okay, we'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> um, but we, but you know, they seem to be. They have some interaction early in the show. Bobby and uh, Donna. We know they're friends. Uh, eventually, we learned that yeah, okay, so Bobby is also seeing or sleeping with Laura. We're not right. really sure what. So Laura has a few boyfriends around, but then it looks like Bobby and Donna have a thing. Not Bobby, uh,
1: James. James. Yeah. But then they have a like a clandestine meeting, and yeah. then they start making out.
2: Yeah, but they're really just bonding over the fact that Laura has died. But it also seems like they've always kind of liked each other.
1: Yeah, I, I guess. To get over it they're gonna bone
2: right so meanwhile bobby through the course of the you know investigation is learning oh so laura also had a, another boyfriend he well pe- and
1: then but donna is her boyfriend the blonde haired guy yeah yeah that, okay yeah. so all, there's like
2: nobody yeah, so she's already seen somebody is yeah. with
1: anybody that they say yeah. and that scene when um him and bobby show up at donna's house I mean, they're clearly like he's smoking on the porch. Bobby's drinking. It's a
2: different time. <laughs> and the dad's
1: just like, "Oh, those kids."
2: Right. Well, I do like though when you know the the kids show up at the dad's house and they're clearly drunk, like you say, and the dad's like, say, Have "You say you've been you've been drinking, son?" And he's like, "Oh, well, you know, we're very upset." <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's but like, then
1: everybody seems to go down to the one bar in Twin Peaks, which is the Roadhouse. Yes. Okay, and then we also meet Big Ed. Right. Who owns the gas station.
2: Yeah, that's James Hurley's uncle.
1: And he's married to and another Nadine.
2: crazy lady. Yeah, Nadine.
1: With a eye patch. Right. And he's having an affair. <laughs> right.
2: With um Norma, who owns the diner. Yes. Who is Very Shelley's pretty. boss? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She looks fabulous. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot going on. We won't spend too much time on those characters though, just because they don't have, you know, too much to do in the first episode. They're kind of, you know, color. Um okay, so this has all been leading up to the introduction of the greatest character that's ever graced the screens of any tv show
1: yes but how we get him is that there's another girl missing right and
2: she crossed state lines
1: yes jurisdiction i thought you'd you'd be so happy about (laughs) that right yeah so you knew how we're like and that little that little throwaway line thank goodness she crossed state lines yeah yeah. here comes the fbi
2: that's good writing yeah
1: yeah but so they so there's another girl um is a very creepy scene yeah
2: ronette polanski
1: and she's walking across the train tracks um, pretty much naked, bloody, scratched.
2: Right. And she had already been missing that point. You know, they knew Laura was found dead, but they, they had already said, and there's another girl from the same high school that's missing. So it was assumed that, you know, that something is up with the both of them. And so about halfway through the first episode, like you said, you see her walking across the sort of famous bridge um, in her, like, it was like her slip, I guess. Yeah. Uh, she's bloody and she... She has like rope dangling from her wrist. Yeah, it's pretty and, scary. And she's at that point, she's walking, but she's seemingly like you know catatonic.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: and so that's because now we have a interstate crime.
0: Right.
2: And uh and also uh, I think also it has something to do with you know kidnapping too. Uh, right. The, the FBI have jurisdiction over kidnapping. Yes. We can cut all this out. <laughs> Uh, so then we uh, are introduced to my uh, everyone's favorite character, Agent Dale Cooper.
1: Well, yeah. Played I mean, by Kyle yeah. MacLachlan. I mean, immediately, he's just full of personality. He's talking yeah. into his tape recorder, talking to Diane. And, yeah. yeah, who we
2: meet in The Revival, finally. Oh, really? Yeah, I won't spoil it. Okay. But it's played by a, a very good actress. Okay, cool. Um, but Yeah, so uh, who is Agent Dale Cooper? Like, How would you even describe this character?
1: Well, he's very smart. But he also seems to be, he's very excited by little things. Yeah, very
2: enthusiastic.
1: Yeah. Um, which makes him very endearing.
2: Yeah, um, he's kind of like uh, a dad. <laughs> you yeah. know, people say like people have, like dad jokes. Or, yeah. Like he's kind of that guy. Except he's like 20. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yes, he's very excited about pie. If it's a good piece of pie, he's very excited. He's very excited about the trees around He's very excited about finding a comfortable place to sleep. But then he's also very serious and very yeah. smart. And he seems to be a good detective, too, a good FBI agent.
2: Yeah. And I think the, the funny idea with that character is, and now you don't really think about it because he's just, it's such an iconic performance. But I guess what you would expect when the FBI agent shows up is like some sort of hard-boiled, no-nonsense, you know, kind of grizzled character, right. um, you know, that maybe has this big conflict with local police. And you know takes things over, which I guess he does, but instead you get you know this sort of <laughs> very cheerful, yeah, uh, amiable, uh, you know, just just thrilled to be there, yes. <laughs> in every sense of the word, uh, super helpful. You know, he's not
1: like Molder and Scully talking about how the town's so small and
2: right, right. How it's But you can kind of see how a character like Molder would grow a little bit from that type, yes, you know, a little bit because Molder's also
1: oh not, yeah, definitely.
2: Um, he's—they're both little boys yes. <laughs> in a way. Yes. Um, and I mean, the X Files; those creators have fully said that. Yeah, we love Twin Peaks. And, yes. Uh, so yeah, so this Agent Cooper—he's uh, first seen driving in a very, very long scene, just driving yes. in a Twin Peaks. Uh, he passes the famous sign, and by the way, this always bothered me, and I just found out today what the story is with that. Okay. The Twin Peaks sign says population
0: fifty-one
2: thousand people. Which I've always thought that is ridiculous. There's like ten people live there.
1: So, do you know what the answer is?
2: Yeah, it's a typo. Like the no. um, Well, the studio originally it was supposed to be five thousand one hundred people, which is about what you expect. ABC or the studio made them change it to fifty thousand people because for some reason they thought people wouldn't want (laughs) to watch it. I read that too. Uh, So, when asked later about it, their reasons. For why it's fifty thousand, was just said it's supposed to be five thousand, it's just a typo.
1: Oh, that's what they said. That's
2: like, like what David Lynch and Mark Frost say, the, oh. the writers. Like, like in the world, it's a typo on the on the sign. Hmm. You're really supposed to know that. Clearly, there's only about five thousand people there. You know, if that, because I mean, fifty thousand people. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I mean, it's a big city. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a big town.
1: Yeah.
2: I, it always bugged me. I never, and I would I always, I used to walk up to the TV like, "Am I reading that wrong?" <laughs> I walked up to the TV. I pause it?
1: <laughs> okay. Well, how do you explain that there, how is there a Twin Peaks restaurant with essentially the same logo? How did they get away with that?
2: I don't know. But I mean, if I was a Lynch, I'd be very mad.
1: Also, how are there two boob theme restaurants?
2: There's three, I think. There's also a place called like the Tilted.
1: Oh, right. What's it called? The Tilted Kilt.
2: Yeah. I'm sure there's more than three.
1: Ugh. All right.
2: So so when uh, Agent Cooper shows up on scene, that sort of launches the second half of the show. Because he doesn't show up till about 45 minutes in the show, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so he immediately takes over things. Uh, he meets uh, Sheriff Truman. You kind of think there's going to be some conflict. They immediately get along. Yes,
1: they're buddies. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, Sheriff Truman thinks he's a little weird, but that's about the extent of it. He seems to kind of appreciate his help and his company. Yeah. And uh, Agent Cooper loves Sheriff Truman. Yes. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Um, it pretty much gets along with everybody, definitely takes over. He meets Ronette Pulaski, tries to interview her. She's catatonic, kind of though, so that's kind of a dead end. Uh, looks under her fingernail to see if there's anything there. Uh, you're like, What's that about? There's nothing, so that's kind of left hanging, left dangling, hanging, <laughs> <laughs> hanging. Yes,
1: but yes, but then so when he looks at Laura Palmer's body, he looks under the fingernail, right? And he finds, which is a Very still disturbing scene, sticking the tweezers in under her fingernail.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised that was able to air on TV. It's it's also disturbing because you have the lights flickering on and off, and it's, it's, it's irritating almost.
1: Yes. But so he does pull a letter R out from underneath her fingernail. Right, right. So you're already kind of like, oh, okay, this is intriguing even more because maybe that's some sort of serial killer thing that he's investigating, and you know that it's setting up. Who knows
2: what? Right, so he's kind of keeping things tight-lipped for for the moment. Um, but in the in the hospital or in the morgue, you know, he meet they meet two characters. They meet uh, or they didn't really meet them, but they see a one-armed man mm-hmm. who is just in the elevator with them. Kind of leaves, mm-hmm. and they just sort of seem to note him, and that becomes a major thing later. But they also meet Doctor Jacoby, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who's played by Russ Tamblin, who apparently was on West Side Story. Okay, uh, he's a big he used to be a big song and dance man. Um, But anyway, in this show, he's just this sort of wackadoo psychiatrist type. uh, Agent Cooper seems immediately suspicious of him.
1: Oh, right. Well, especially he's, I mean, he's super creepy. Right. But then he also mentions Giddily. Like, by the way, Laura was my patient. Don't tell her parents. Right. It's like, oh, okay. He's kind of
2: laughing about it.
1: Yeah, red flags.
2: Right. Um, But it's almost like too much. Right. But, But yeah, so there's a couple new characters. And then they have the great sequence in the town hall mm-hmm. where they have their meeting. The mayor stands up. <laughs> One of my favorite parts is when, you know, his whole contribution to the meeting is, is this thing on? Is this thing on? <laughs> and he's quickly sat down. Right. Uh, you, you meet the log lady, the very famous yes. log lady who's in the back sort of officiously, you know, turning on the lights on and off get the meeting started.
1: Well, yeah, I like that um, Agent Cooper is like, who's that? And he's just like, oh, we call her log lady. And we're just, you just go along with it. Okay. Right.
2: She's holding a log, a giant log. I don't think she has any lines in the first episode. Uh, she also recently passed away, that, yes. that actress.
1: Well, she got to be in the revival a little bit. Yeah, though.
2: she did. I and mean, those scenes are very, she's actually a pretty big part of it, but her scenes are kind of saddest. So at the meeting, uh, you know, Agent Cooper sort of explains, oh, you know, here's the situation. A, a girl was murdered a year ago. We found a letter under her nail. I forget what the letter is, like B. So Laura is now the second in this sort of chain of events. So yeah, maybe we do have a serial killer. Any any kind of mentions, you know, you know, it could oh. be anybody in this room.
1: Yeah. So then they enact a curfew, which nobody <laughs> abides by.
2: Right. Before after that, I forget the exact sequence. We had this scene where um, Sheriff uh, Agent Cooper is interviewing Bobby Briggs. mm Hmm. Um he during the course interview pretty quickly determines that Bobby is not the killer he actually types out he is not the killer (laughs) or he didn't do it Uh, but that's how Bobby finds out about James Hurley right because you know he uh, of Laura Palmer and uh, Donna dancing in the meadow which is that what teenage girls do I
1: I don't remember doing that you have
2: picnics it seems unlikely to me but I mean but then again they had their hot biker guy there so they're kind of putting on a show for him yeah So Bobby Briggs sees the bike reflected in uh, Laura Palmer's eye, which is really cool detail. Right. And, you know, so does Sheriff Truman Sheriff's agent Cooper because he misses, you know, nothing.
1: Well, yeah, but that's really interesting too. Like they kind of make Bobby seem like he's this kind of dumb kind of kid, but no, he's not. No, he's not.
2: Yeah. So Bobby tells his friend when he's being released from jail, you know, we're looking for a biker. Um, I guess they don't really know James that, although he's in the high school. So that's kind of funny. But then, uh, so after the meeting, you have kind of everyone running around, <laughs> either looking for the biker, looking for Donna.
1: Yes, everybody. everybody's running around right. looking for somebody else, yes.
2: Yeah, so Donna and James hook up. When I say hook up, I mean literally they yeah. get together to discuss things. <laughs> right. They uh, drive off to some sort of secluded four spot. Uh, Agent Cooper and Sheriff Truman are pursuing them, but they, they lose them immediately.
1: Well, yeah, so before that, oh, yeah, they we find a the train see. car.
2: Yeah. Oh, right, right. Want to talk about that? Yes. It's pretty creepy.
1: Yes. So they find, um, they have Andy again talking on his walkie-talkie to Lucy, and he's crying, saying that they found where they murdered and tortured the girls. Then you kind of pick up that maybe Lucy and Andy are together because she keeps calling him sweetie and telling yeah. him it's okay. And I did like the line when he says, he says, tell Harry I didn't cry, which that just, Made me sad because he is does have this big heart, even though he's trying to be a police officer. So Agent Cooper and Sheriff Truman go and investigate, and it is pretty creepy. There's blood, there's bloody towels, and that's when they find the half of the necklace, one of those best friend necklaces that's a heart. And then they find that piece of paper that says, Fire walk with me.
2: Right. right. Pretty cryptic clues as far as that goes. But yes. so that's what you call it a best friend necklace? I never really knew that.
1: Yeah. The so locket usually one says best and one says friends, and oh. then you you each have one.
2: Oh, okay. I never knew that. Oh. I guess I never had one. <laughs> <laughs> um well that that kind of goes towards the end. But you also have this great sequence where at the the roadhouse where everybody kind of converges to the roadhouse. Yeah, it seems
1: to be like the main bar in town. Yeah,
2: so you have Asian Cooper. Uh, Sheriff Truman in the same car um, you have Bobby Briggs in <laughs> the high schoolers right. <laughs> his dumb blonde friend you know that guy right they get there you have Donna mm-hmm. show up she you know uh, basically breaks out of her house you know
1: uh, yeah. big Ed and Norma are there too
2: big Ed Norma. Pretty much everyone having affairs meeting there right. all at once.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nobody will know. <laughs> I guess if everybody else sees them with everybody else, somebody else, then nobody will tell anybody.
2: I, well, I mean, a big Ed and norman normal like probably like holding hands. I mean, <laughs> I like, I mean, it's a small town. It's kind of funny. They, they're not really, they're not trying very hard. No. Oh yeah. So so I was gonna say James Charlie's there, but he's not. James hurley's waiting elsewhere. Right. Um,
1: and then we see that he has the other half of the necklace
2: right right so but at the bar who does bobby get in a fight with i forget oh bobby gets in a fight with big Ed because he's looking for james so that's a funny scene you just this crazy fight breaks out most important thing though is he have julie cruz there singing all right uh, the theme song the twin peaks
1: it's so because in, in that that song is still playing when they're a big brawl ba- breaks right.
2: out yeah and she um she appears at the most crucial scenes throughout the show it seems there's every now and then there's a great roadhouse scene and she's there playing a new song and it's always awesome she's also in blue velvet now i think about it she has a similar scene in blue velvet
0: okay cool. david
2: lynch loves julie cruz neat and she's in the revival too that happens that's kind of an iconic scene the whole julie cruz of it you know right i think that should yeah, launch her career probably
1: that's great And then so Bobby and his little friend get arrested.
2: Right. Yeah. So the show, the pilot kind of ends basically with, you know, Donna meeting James. You see James has the locket. Mm -hmm. So like, ooh, what's that about? Of course, you already know that James was seeing Laura, but Mm -hmm. still. um, They have this sort of confession to each other where, oh, they like each other now, too. They make out. Right. Um, It's kind of hot. I don't know. Um, But they bury the locket because it can't be known that James has a locket, which is reasonable enough. But then they try and leave and, you know, <laughs> immediately get arrested. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, Agent Cooper was hot on his trail. And um, what
1: did they arrest James for? Just,
2: I think he's just really arrested for being a, a person of interest.
1: Okay. But then, so it ends up with um, Bobby, his blonde friend. They're all in James jail together. Yeah. Jail.
2: Yeah. And they bark at him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess the idea is that's the first time they really met him. I guess they would have had to know him.
1: Yeah, probably. But, but I mean, it seems like... Um, Obviously, Bobby is popular. Yeah, he's a football player.
2: James is probably kind of a loser.
1: Yeah,
2: he's. Uh, so people are like, oh, it's that guy. you know, yeah, from English class. Right. Uh, let's bark at him. <laughs> uh, so the show properly ends with uh, you know the mother waking up, uh, having this vision of someone finding the locket, the like, gloved right. hand finding the locket, and um, it's kind of creepy because you don't know who that is. Yeah. So then you're just left with all these questions. So I thought we talked just briefly about... But not
1: just her just waking up. She's screaming. Yeah. She. Yeah. Yeah. It's she, pretty creepy.
2: Yeah. But, you know, we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> and But then more importantly, we're talking about if we were in that love quad.
2: So if we were Laura Palmer, right? Yes. Okay. I guess, will we pick Bobby or will we pick James? Right. She'd pick both, really. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Maybe that's the best solution, <laughs> but if you had to like you know choose one, I mean, who would you choose?
1: Oh Bobby, one hundred percent really, yes,
2: I love Bobby, but I mean i think I think I would be friends with Bobby just to see what he would do, but I would totally pick James,
1: see James just seems boring to me,
2: I think he would be boring, yeah,
1: but I like the bad boy with greasy hair,
2: but James is kind of the bad boy with with uh he has a motorcycle, yeah he'll be so moody all the time Mm
1: -mm. see like like in freaks and geeks james franco is like my ultimate
2: right
1: his character it's just like and also in my so-called life you know jared leto yeah jordan catalano these are
2: terrible terrible people (laughs) greasy yeah
1: a little dirty bad boys that's what i like so bobby briggs except for my husband is not bad
2: right yeah, well, I mean, I I could I can land on Bobby too, I guess, but I mean, if I had my druthers, I would, I would pick James.
1: Okay, well, good. Um, it works out perfect. Yeah, I can have Bobby, and you can have James. Yeah. Well, Possibly, Dr.
2: Jacoby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and then also probably Agent Cooper.
2: Right, right. Well, you know, unfortunately, she didn't meet Agent Cooper. Um, oh. Okay, so yeah, so that's uh, the first episode of Twin Peaks. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, you know, obviously it's on Netflix. think it's also on amazon prime at least the first two seasons i'm not sure when the new season will be streaming
1: but i mean right away you watch that first episode and again it's got mystery it's got murder it's got sex it's got good looking people yeah and
2: we didn't really talk about just how funny it is too yeah we kind of talked about the plot a lot but it's a funny funny show it's the uh,
1: whole thing is just so colorful with characters and yeah
2: yeah i mean and it it holds up 100 Yes. uh I think the whole show is fantastic. It takes a dip a little bit in the second half of the second season. Right. Um, But um, even that, you know, has its own charm to it. So, yeah, highly recommended. Um, Five stars. So um, do we have a a true crime for this uh, show?
1: Yes. Well, I wanted to tell you about the true crime that Laura Palmer's death was based on.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Okay. So the Twin Peaks murder of Laura Palmer is based on the 1908 murder of Hazel Irene Drew. Have you ever heard this?
2: I mean, I'm sure I've heard about this because I've read a lot about Twin Peaks a lot, but it still sounds new to me.
1: Well, there's a new book coming out um, about this murder written by David Bushman, who wrote like some uh, like a Twin Peaks facts book. It's supposed to be a pretty comprehensive book about, book about Twin Tweaks. And Mark Givens, who has his own Twin Peaks podcast called Dear Meadow Radio.
2: Oh, Deer Meadow. Uh, Deer Meadow, yeah. Okay.
1: So the book's going to be called Blonde, Beautiful, and Dead. And it's supposed to come out sometime this year. And it's about this true murder. So they got really into Twin Peaks. It's their favorite show. Um, and they heard a little bit about the true crime that it was based on. And then they kind of just dug and dug and dug. And so they um, written this whole book. And it, this is also going to become a docu-series. And so I, a lot of the info I got for this came from an article that they wrote that was on uh, The Independent, the website, called Twin Peaks, How the Brutal Murder of Hazel Drew Inspired the Cult Classic. And then so I guess they took this, and now they're going to be releasing a whole book about it. So um, Mark Frost's grandmother... Her name was Betty Calhoun, and she lived in the New York resort town of Sandy Lake.
2: Mark Frost is the uh, yes. co-creator of Twin Peaks.
1: Yes. Thank you. And he grew up with his grandmother telling him the story of Hazel Drew, who was murdered in her town in 1908. Fine. <laughs> yeah. So he would spend the summers with his grandmother, and she would tell him this uh, cautionary tale about not going into the woods, so you don't end up like that Hazel girl. Uh, but this apparently inspired him to write the story of Laura Palmer. So uh, Hazel was blonde and beautiful before she was dead, which is the title of that book anyway.
2: Oh, so what kind of year is this? Did... 1908. Oh, okay, so all right.
1: So she was last seen picking raspberries on July 7th, 1908. She was found four days later in Teal Pond, which is the name of the pond, like T-E-A-L. Her head hadn't been bashed in from the back crushing her skull. She was so decomposed in the water that she had to be identified by her clothes and her gold fillings in her teeth. Is that Is a I'm kind of glad I have tattoos. Is that bad so that way Well, when you how find long, my body uh, can, I mean, can they be found it pretty me?
2: quickly, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I would just keep my driver's license around. <laughs>
1: And so, but the night of her death, she encountered two men, Frank Smith, who was reported as a dim-witted teenage farmhand, that's how he was reported, I'm not calling him that, uh, and Rudolph Gundrum, a 35-year-old charcoal peddler, you know that old job? Peddler. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Get your charcoal here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, but it appears to her family that, like Laura Palmer, she had some secrets and clandestine meetings that she had been hiding. Um, They found dozens of postcards between her and unidentified unidentified people. Um, And there were also tons of suspects like Laura Palmer. There was obviously uh, Frank and Rudolph. And then there was her sad sack, Uncle William Taylor, whose farm backed up to Teal Pond. He's apparently like a real melancholy guy. And we we know it's a lot of times in the family. There was also a dentist who proposed to Hazel at one point, a train conductor she was rumored to be seeing, and a millionaire who ran a nearby resort where orgies were supposed to transpire. So if you know more about Twin Peaks, yeah, like, one-eyed jacks. yeah, and that was a lot of that was still was rumors, but obviously he the more Mark Frost looked into it, I'm sure it inspired him. And the setting of Twin Peaks also seems to be based on the town of Sandy Lake. It was also a small town with lots of interesting characters. It was Milltown, mill town, too. Uh, Hazel's murder has never been solved. She wasn't prom- from a prominent family. She'd been like a servant since she was 14, so there wasn't too much pressure to solve the crime. But because of the recent revival of Twin Peaks, And because this is kind of coming out, apparently fans have been flocking to Sand Lake to see her grave. They're like in the courthouse, like looking up records. They're trying to solve it too. Wow. Yeah.
2: So there'll probably be a podcast just about this, you know, solving the mystery.
1: Well, I mean, if, um, cause those two guys, they're already have, the one guy already has a podcast. Now they're writing this book. Yeah. It's gonna be a docu-series. It probably could be a interesting podcast. Um, but this is this is what Mark Frost wrote in a Sand Lake newsletter about his, his grandmother. It doesn't say if it was like, I don't know if it was an obituary or a memorial, but so he wrote, the inspiration for the television series Twin Peaks sprang from a nightmarish little bedtime story my grandmother, Betty Calhoun, planted in my ear as a young boy. Betty, whose interest in the facts was, at best, glancing... Frame this tale more along the lines of a cautionary ghost tale. Don't go out into the woods at night, etc. Poor Hazel's body was found on the banks of the pond. Mystery ensued, uncertainty about the perpetrator lingered, and May still. Some weeks later, a calf, stuck in the mud and bleeding for help under a dim half-moon, was mistaken for the spirit of the lost ghost girl by a couple of local drunks who fled the scene in terror. Some twenty years later, half-remembered details of this sad tale swam through my subconscious during the creation of a similarly doomed character named Laura Palmer. Isn't that interesting?
2: That's a nice tribute to his grandmother.
1: Yeah, it is. So I'd love to have a grandmother like that who told me about murder.
2: So and, and so that is still to this day unsolved, right? Right. Oh, that's a shame.
1: And apparently, like, I read was reading more about it, and like the sheriff whatever they have of that little town had to like unplug his phone. People won't stop calling him. This is a hundred years later, over a hundred years later, you know, he's like, I, I can't help you. That's crazy. But so that is the story of Hazel drew
2: slash Laura Palmer. Yes. Well, we'll um have to have a toast to her. Okay. So that's our uh, twin peaks episode. So yes. next week, and uh, we'll have a I believe a special guest. Yes. Right? Yes. So I believe if if it all works out right, if it doesn't, we'll just have to cut this part. <laughs> but we'll have our first ever three what do you call it? Threesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a love triangle, I right. believe.
2: Yes. Well for first ever threesome on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Um and uh we'll be um and you'll find out more soon.
1: Well I guess we can we can tease it. Why not?
2: Yeah, so how are we gonna tease it?
1: Well, we're going to do the Lost Boys. I right,
2: well, that's quite easier. teaser. <laughs> <laughs> Tell people.
1: So if you are enjoying the show, it would mean so much if you just go on to Apple Podcasts real quick. Just hit five stars. Just write something real quick. Uh, I know I'm not the best at this either. There's still some of my favorite podcasts I haven't gone or reviewed. But, um, but it really helps us out.
2: And, yeah, and hit the subscribe button. Yes. You know, just so you can know when our new episodes come up.
1: And then follow us on all the social media places, right?
2: Right, right. <laughs> um, and please send us suggestions for what we should call these things, these, you know, mini-sodes. Yes.
1: And also send us, if you know, if, we we might choose your movie. And that'd be cool. Well, uh, if you write a cool, a nice review. um, Or a mean review. <laughs> oh, yeah, a mean one. I'll read it, too. Yeah. We'll read it on the air. And that'll be fun. Well, of course, the sun's going down now. What With does it, that mean? It's just been a good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We started this like four hours ago. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, But thanks again. And uh, I guess we'll see you later. All right. Good night. Bye.